Well, good morning, Cross Point. Today and for the next three weeks, well, with the exception of Mother's Day, I want us to focus in on what God can do through you if you're willing to be used by God. God can do incredible things. But you've got to get yourself usable and make yourself available. Sometimes people say, why doesn't God ever use me? Well, are you usable? Are you available? Do you want to be used by God? Today we're going to look at four keys to effective living through the life of Moses. And then next week we're going to look at Noah. And then after that we're going to look at Samson. But today let's focus in on Moses. All three of these characters are found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And you know what that famous chapter is about, don't you? It's about men and women of faith. Faith pleases God like nothing else. And if you're willing to be used by God and not be fearful and not be afraid, God can use you to accomplish great, great things. Hebrews 11 is about winners. Now, these people that we're going to read about over the next few weeks were not extraordinary people. As a matter of fact, I think the Bible kind of goes out of the way to let you know that in some cases they were very, very normal, ordinary people who accomplished extraordinary things for God because they made themselves available to God. They weren't perfect by any means. They all had hurts and habits and hang-ups, especially Samson. Man, when we get around to that dude's life, that guy had some issues. But you know what? God still used him. And he wants to use you as well. And in every case, the Bible says they were faithful. And they accomplished the goals that God had set before them. Now Moses, I think Moses, you could argue, was the greatest man in the entire Old Testament. I mean, he wrote the Pentateuch. What's the Pentateuch? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible. We would not know about Adam and Eve and creation and Noah and the ark and the flood and all that sort of stuff. We wouldn't have known about that were it not for Moses. I mean, that is a huge accomplishment right there. But then God called him to lead an exodus. And he did. And then God called him to a a tight spot. Red Sea before him, mountains to the side, and Pharaoh's army coming up the rear. And so God said, raise your staff. And he led the people on dry land across what sea? The Red Sea. And then the first thing they do after they get to the other side, the first major place that they go to is called Mount Sinai. And what did he receive on Mount Sinai? He was up on that mountain for 40 days, 40 nights, 10 commandments. And when he came back down the first time, What were the children of Israel doing? They were breaking the second commandment. Do not make an idol with your hands and do not worship it. And he got so mad and so angry that he took those tablets of stone and he threw them and broke them. Don't don't throw things and break things. Because you know what God will make you do? You'll have to go back up the mountain and repeat it. When you run from a problem... Or you cause a problem because of your anger. Moses had anger issues. You say, what was Moses' weakness? 
That dude, had, he, flew off the, he flew off the handle one day and murdered a guy. Talk about angry. And yet, at the end of his life, Moses was called the meekest man that ever lived. Now, never mistake meekness for weakness. It is sort of power under control. You ever see these big stallion horses? And they do, you know, they, they do these parades, and they're trumping, and they're going this way and that way by the slightest pull of the reins of the horsemen. That's power, but it's under control. That's Moses. He was used by God. Why was he so effective? I would say because Moses settled four basic questions. Here they are up here on the screen. The who question. Who am I? And what are my choices? And what is really important? And what are my goals in life? Let's look at the four secrets of an effective life through the lens of Moses' life. Number one, the who am I question. You know what God would say to you if you're asking, who am I? Who am I going to be? What, if, what, is, what, is, what am I all about? God would say, be yourself. Be who I called you to be. Most of us all start off as originals. And then we end up changing and becoming carbon copies of everybody else. Because we want to what? Fit in. We want to look alike, be alike, do everything alike. I just don't want to stand out. Don't do that. You be who God's called you to be. I I spent Thursday night, all day Friday. My wife had to work and I was off on Friday with my two-year-old grandson. Man, now you know why young people have kids and not old people. The whole day. And it's not like any one thing was difficult. It's just you have no time for yourself. And, you know, it's just gamp all this and gamp all that. And, okay, okay. But I've already taken you to the park. We played soccer. I've taken you to the community pool where you swam. I've taken you, I've given you, you know, grapes. I took you to breakfast Arthur's. That wasn't cheap. I mean, you know what a kid's meal there cost? It's outrageous. <laughs> a trip to the church building because I had to do something. And then back home, and then it's time for lunch. And then that nap time, you think, oh, a little time to relax. Nope. Yeah, man, you... Oh, yeah, we got to get dinner, man. Got to get start cooking. And then, you know, they wake up and, oh, just two more minutes. You know, so you, you know, you put them back in that thing. You turn Mickey on and, and you're in the kitchen. He can't see you, but about every 30 seconds, it's, Grandpa. And it's, oh, Blake. Yeah, you know, just two more minutes. I got the fire on. You know, you don't want to leave the kitchen with the fire, you know. But his personality's coming out. His, you're starting to see who this kid is. And, and, you, and when we go to bed at night, we brush his teeth and then we pray over him. I said, God, I don't know who you called this little boy to be, but would you use him in a great way? And would you let him be who you made him to be and not turn out to be one of these people that wants to be a carbon copy of everybody else? Who has God called you to be? What goals has he given you? What vision has he given you? Be who God called you to be. Moses, you got to admit, had an identity crisis, right? Because he was born, what? Jewish, but he was raised, what? Egyptian. You know, it was one of those walk like an Egyptian, talk like an Egyptian type of things. And, and he had to come to a point in his life, what am I going to be? Am I going to fake my heritage? And be an Egyptian and live a life of ease, which would be a very easy decision, right? I mean, he had it made. He had everything in the world at his disposal. Or am I going to be Jewish and live a life of what? Slavery. How'd you like to weigh that in the balance, huh? Moses was a man of integrity. 
And he made a decision that cost him 80 years of his life. Verse 24, look at the screen. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he did something. What did he do? Refused. Refused what? Refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That word refused in the Greek means he rejected, denied, and disowned. He said, she's not my mother. She is. You're not my people. They are. I disown you. I choose you. This is who God's called me to be. This is my true heritage. Because who raised Moses in the palace? Moses' own mother. Remember quick thinking, Miriam, when, when they went down to the Nile River and there's baby Moses in the basket and Pharaoh's daughter comes along and says, looks like a nice baby to me. I think I'll just lift you up out of the water, call you Moses. Moses means to draw out of water. I'm going to take you home, raise you as my own. And babysitter Mary, an older sister, quick thinking Mary, runs over and says, would you like me to fetch a, a nursemaid? You're going to need a nursemaid. You're going to raise a child from one of the Hebrew women and Pharaoh's daughter says, that sounds like a good idea to me. Go get me one. And guess she gets her own mother. That's a tough decision. You moms make tough decisions all the time. Mother's Day is coming up soon. God bless you moms. But how would you like to have to make that one? To leave your family and go to the palace to raise this baby who you believe God has something special in mind. Well, that's what she does and that's what happens. But Moses refused to live a lie. I love his integrity. There's something liberating. Now it cost him, okay? Don't get me wrong. It cost him. But there's something very liberating about being yourself. Number two, look on the screen. Second secret to an effective life is not just the who am I question, but what are my choices? You know, I can accept my responsibility for God or I can reject it. You choose. God doesn't force you to choose Him. That is totally and completely up to you. And so, if God were to talk to you today, He would say, accept the responsibility for your own life and the life that I called you to. Not saying it's going to be easy. Not, going to, not saying it's going to be quick. Not saying it's not going to have pain with it. But the blessings, I tell you, far outweigh any of the problems you're going to have in this life. Trust me on this one. Moses did choose God, and it cost him. Big time. And Moses could have chose to been bitter, but Moses, what I like about him, I love his attitude, he chose to be better for the higher calling that he received from God. Better for fulfilling that higher calling. See, as a baby, God chose who? Moses. But as an adult, Moses had to choose God. I imagine in an audience of this size, there are some of you that were baptized as a baby, or maybe you were dedicated as a baby. We even have baby dedications here once in a while. Didn't do you as a baby any good at all, but you know what it did do? Your parents and your church family some good, because your parents and your church family said, we're going to rally behind that baby, and we're going to support that baby, we're going to help that baby know the Lord. But in a very real sense, you today have got to say, my parents made that choice for me back then. I'm now old enough to make a choice for you, God, on my own. 
It's time for you to choose. Your parents chose, we want to dedicate this child to God. But you've got to choose to be dedicated to God on your own. There comes a point in a man and a woman's life where they have got to choose God. One of the reasons some of you have never made a choice for God is because you haven't settled these questions. Who am I? What are my choices? What's important to me? And what are my goals? Some of you have not been baptized because you're not all in like Moses was all in. You're just saying, yeah, one of these days I'll get around to it. One of these days I'll make a decision for God. Moses says, no, I'm all in. All in. Even though it cost Moses. He could have been bitter, but he says, no, I'm going to be better. Look at verse 25. He chose. What do you choose? Uh, Trip to Disneyland. No. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He chose mistreatment. When did he choose it? Go up one slide. Go back one slide. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up. Do you see that? See, at some point in your life, you've got to grow up. At some point in your life, you've got to say, God, ready or not, here I come. I'm all in for you. I'm serious about this. Doesn't mean you won't sin. Doesn't mean you won't mess up. Doesn't mean life's going to be honky-dory. But what it does mean is, God, I'm yours, you're mine, from this day forward, no matter what happens in this life. You've got to come to a point. Moses came to that point. Okay, you can go back. When did he do this? When he, was, when he grew up. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy sin for a season. And it really is just a, a short season. One of the marks of maturity is accept a responsibility. Don't blame others. Don't blame God. Don't blame your past. You choose. Number three. Number three. What's important? The importancy question. You need to establish a value system for your life. And Moses clarified his values. Verse 26 says, He regarded, again, that's an interesting Greek word. We'll get to it in a moment. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. Isn't that interesting? Greater value than what? The treasures of Egypt. And the treasures of Egypt were vast because Egypt was the whole entire known world at the time. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. Sometimes we get focused and enamored, enamored you know, with the pot of gold here. And God says, no, no, focus up there. And that's what Moses did. He had to regard the treasures of Egypt as a disgrace. And that word regarded means to weigh in the balance, to consider the options, to evaluate the worth. Let's see here. Uh, all the treasures of Egypt. Slavery. A life of slavery. <laughs> Egypt. That's what many would say today, right? Isn't that what the world would say? What'd Moses say? Mistreatment with God and his people. 
Put yourself on Moses' spot. Don't think that was an easy decision. Don't think he came to that just like that. It took some time. It took some delivery. It took some prayer. It took some counsel with mama. God bless you moms. You do a lot. I saw a really good video. I'm not sure we're going to use it yet. A good Mother's Day video is coming up. It's the one I get to choose. It'd be a... It's going to be a... Didn't you guys say you're going to vote on the women's ministry name? Well, I'm going to talk to a few council people and see what they think. But I like it so far. Now, what's the world's value system? Well, it's the three Ps. Look up here. Let's look at it. These three Ps are what the world thinks. Just throw them up there. All of them. i got a bad memory. Pleasure, possessions, and power. Isn't that the world's value system right there? Pleasures, possessions, and power. And stop and think about this. Moses had all three of these going on, didn't he? He is a prince, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And if you want to believe Josephus, he would say that Moses was in line to be the next Pharaoh-elect. And the Pharaohs at that day of time were not just considered the national leader and the king, and the ruler, they were considered to be a god. There was nobody above Pharaoh. They were it. And Moses had all these things, the things that the world chases after, and says, no thanks. I'll choose slavery. And the world says, Moses, you're crazy. What are you thinking? You're nuts. And Moses says, no, it's all temporal. It won't last. It's not eternal. It is all temporal. Those things will not be here when the big bonfire hits. The only thing that lasts are two things. The Word of God and people. will last somewhere. Moses was looking ahead. The world said he was crazy. But he wasn't crazy because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself said, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Pleasure, possessions, power, and loses his what? Soul. And then he asks a very deep philosophic question. What will a man exchange for a soul? You know what people are exchanging for their souls? Every single day in the world's value system, they're exchanging pleasure, possessions, and power. Does that describe you this morning? Or are you the one that says, no, it's all temporal, I'm following God. Moses decided three things in his life. Here we go. Number one, God's purpose is more valuable than popularity. Let's see the verse. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Do you see that phrase, son of Pharaoh's daughter? Don't you think there were a few perks that went along with being the son of Pharaoh's daughter? I mean, he's a prince. Can you see him, you know? (laughs) Do you think he had any trouble getting into Egyptian U? Man, he was top of the class. He got in there, nobody, everyone, he got, he studied at the highest university of the day. Egypt had a university called the Temple of the Sun. He had tutors. He had everything. He had all that knowledge at his disposal. And then, man, when the weekends hit and he was at a school, you know, he got into that Porsche chariot. 
went out on the town with his entourage, bodyguards, Studio 50, whatever those studios are called, where the, you know, the bowl and the lights and the dancing, and, and the big long line around the big thing. And out of the way, out of the way, here comes the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He gets to the head of the line. See the perks that go along with being a prince? Nah, he gave all that stuff up. Number two, God's people, he determined, were more valuable than pleasure. He chose to be be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Let me see the hand of anyone that thinks that uh, sin is pleasurable. Am I the only one? (laughs) Then you've never sinned, man. Let me tell you, it's a lot of fun. Let me let you in on the action. Look at you, Chris. You don't sin. Get out of here. It's a whole lot of fun for a short time. Do you see that last part? Don't leave that out. Yes, I think the King James says, sin for a season, for a short time. It's enjoyable, but kicks have what? Kickbacks. And when we get to Samson, you're going to see that lesson. You don't see it in Moses, but you're going to see this coming up. And then number three, God's peace is more valuable than possessions. Peace. All we want is some peace. Look at this verse. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt. He rejected the very thing that people spend their lives trying to get. Why? Verse 26, because he was looking ahead to his reward. There are some things that are more important than things. Yeah, like what? Like being in the will of God? Why? Well, look at these four things. Because your happiness is determined by your character. And your character is determined by your choices. And your choices are determined by your values. And your values are determined by your vision. Where's your vision? Where are you looking? It all is connected. Where do you have your eyes? Are you looking down here? To Egypt, or are you looking up there to heaven? And then number four, last point. We're moving today, aren't we? Unless you have any questions. No, don't ask. Not me. <laughs> See me after. What are my goals? What are my goals? And It's okay to have personal goals, but when God gives you a goal, and you hear that goal, and you hear that calling... Never take your eyes off of that goal. It is so important. Verse 27, by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the faithful hall of fame. Faith pleases God. Vision is a matter of faith. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. I don't know if you stood in front of Pharaoh... Um, Robert and I, we've been teaching from the book of Exodus at Brooktail on Wednesdays. And oh, Robert, it's probably been a couple of months back that we got to the passage when Moses first goes before the king and he says, Thus saith Jehovah, let my people go. And you remember the response of Pharaoh? Who is this God of yours? 
that I should listen to him. Well, he found out sure enough, didn't he? It took a 10-lesson correspondence course. You remember those plagues? But man, he found out soon enough who this God was. And finally, when that death angel came over, Pharaoh and all the people were saying, leave, 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 go, 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 take whatever you want with you. They, they, weren't, they couldn't get him out of there fast enough. Not fearing the king's anger. Who did he fear more? God. When you fear God, you don't have to fear men. doesn't matter who it is. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. You can do the impossible when you see him who was invisible. He saw God more clearly without seeing God than any man in the Old Testament. Moses saw God at work in his life. Didn't mean he didn't have problems. Didn't mean he didn't have headaches. Man, Moses had some problems and some headaches. But you know what? We never really make progress without problems. We don't make progress without problems. Obstacles are what you see when you take your eyes off the goal. Moses had a goal. What was Moses' goal? Take two and a half million crybabies to the promised land. Right? Wasn't that the goal? God said, Moses, get them out of Egypt and get them over there. But Moses had a problem. What was his problem? Pharaoh. Stubborn Pharaoh. He'd say, okay, one day, and say, no, the next. Okay, no, okay, no, okay, no. But he didn't focus on Pharaoh. Who did he focus on? God. Focused on the goal. If he focused on his problem, he never would have got anything accomplished. He focused on God. Were there times of discouragement? Of course. Were there times when he felt foolish? Absolutely. And were there times that he wanted to quit? Yeah. Remember when God first called him? In a burning bush? Kind of like, here am I, send Aaron. He didn't want to go. I'm slow of speech, I can't talk. He came up with some of the flimsiest excuses for not being used by God. Excuses that you and I use all the time. Boy, I love the sermon that Jeff Walling preached here a month or so ago. The biggest excuses you and I use for not sharing our faith are twofold. I don't know enough and I'm not good enough, right? And who did Jesus use to share the gospel? The gathering demoniac, a demon-possessed man who just got clothed and in his right mind. And he says, Jesus, let me go with you. And Jesus says, no. I'll go tell the story where you're not. You go back to your family and tell the story where I'm not. I'll go there, you go here. And if anybody could have said, but I'm not good enough, (laughs) and I don't know enough, what did he know? I was demon-possessed and Jesus freed me. And guess what his sermon was? It lasted about that long. And he would go door to door, house to house, 
group to group, sharing his story. And the next time Jesus shows up in that region, what happens? There are thousands of people that come out to greet Jesus. Why? Who did the work? Who did the legwork? This guy right here. Do you see that? Oh, but God can't use that Gadarene demoniac. He doesn't know enough and he's not good enough. Well, look what he did. Don't don't pull that excuse on me. Don't use that excuse on God. It won't fly. You can think that, but it just won't fly. Now, you can choose to focus on your goal or focus on your problem. I would suggest you focus on your goal. Now, I know some of you are going, okay, Bruce, okay, I hear this, I hear this, but you don't understand my circumstance. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know all the pain. You don't know all the hurt. You don't know all the... I'm just tired. I get that too. But if God still has you where he has you and hasn't called you someplace else, deal with it. And don't give up. And don't be discouraged. But Bruce, you're being so hard on me. Well... Let me help you if you're discouraged this morning. Maybe what you need to hear is some encouraging words from the Apostle Paul. I like Paul. Who was Paul? A guy that lived a life of ease? No, at one time he did. He was one of the prominent of the prominent in the Jewish Supreme Court. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He sat at the foot of Gamaliel. He advanced beyond all of his peers I mean, he could teach the courses that his teachers were teaching. You ask any Jewish boy when he was growing up, who do you want to be like someday? I want to be like Saul of Tarsus. Because see, that was his former name. He could go into the Supreme Court and request letters and authority to go to cities like Damascus with an entourage and a small army to arrest Christians, bind them and bring them back and torture them to get them to stop preaching about this Jesus. And he did. On his way there, who did he have an encounter with? Jesus Christ himself. Knocked him off his high horse and he says, Who who are you, Lord? Saul wasn't used to calling anybody Lord. He thought he was the God of the universe. He was smart, intelligent, gifted, financially set, in the right crowd, the political crowd. Everyone wanted to be like him. And then one day, he says, I want to follow Jesus. He hated that name up until that point when he met Jesus, and Jesus shared the gospel with him. See, Saul of Tarsus wasn't taught the gospel by any man. He was taught by Jesus. And then shortly after his conversion, he went for three and a half years to be with the Lord. How long were the apostles with Jesus? Three and a half years. And so when people say, you're not a real apostle later in life, he said, oh, yes, I am. See, one of the marks of an apostle is you had to have seen Jesus after the resurrection. Did Saul see Jesus after the resurrection? And then Jesus taught him everything he needed to know. How long was he with the other guys? Three and a half years. How long was he with Saul? Three and a half years. And then Saul begins his new journey as a Christian with a name change called Paul. And when he crossed over, do you think all of his Jewish friends 
and Supreme Court counsel like that idea? Absolutely not. And his life went through shipwrecks and beatings and imprisonment and stonings and left for dead. Why'd they leave him for dead? I believe because he was dead. I think God raised him from the dead because he talks about some guy that was, he goes, I don't know if he's in the body or out of the body, but he went to the third portal. That's where God exists. The Jews spoke of three heavens, where the birds fly, where the sun, moon, and stars are, but the third portal, that's the third heaven. And he saw things there unspeakable. He's speaking in the third person. I think he's talking about himself. I think it happened when he was left for dead. But God raised him. He gets gets that stone body up and drags himself back into the town and says, I want to, I'm not done talking to you guys about Jesus. Do you see this? Anybody still want to be a Christian? Treasures of Egypt, life of slavery, you weighing it out this morning? No one's going to say it's going to be easy. But here's how he encourages us. Therefore, what's the therefore? I just told you. We See, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you've got to go look what went before. I just told you what went before. We do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Yeah, those beatings take a toll on you. Five times, the 40 lashes minus one, three times with a cane. Beatings. The body's... Having a hard time, anybody relate with that today? Outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed. Who does that? God. Day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Therefore, since this eternal glory is going to outweigh everything else we're going to go through in life, all the troubles, all the hurt, all the pain that you're experiencing right now, therefore we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Don't, don't look at what is seen right now, because if you're looking at what is seen right now, then what you're looking at is your problem. Uh, we had lunch with Noe, the Oliva family, last week, and we talked about what he's facing. Five weeks of chemotherapy and five weeks of radiation without a break. And he can focus on that or he can focus on Jesus. Some of you are facing marriages that are strained right now. You can focus on your problem or you can focus on Jesus in your marriage. Some of you are focusing on your finances and man, you're just like that far away from losing your home. You're that far away from you know losing your vehicle that close to a bankrupt, you can focus on that, or you can say, you know what? I'm focusing on Jesus. Don't focus on the scene. Don't focus on your problem. Moses could have focused on Pharaoh. But on what is unseen? Ah, God, heaven, eternity, glory. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? You finish it. Eternal. That's right. That's where I want to focus. See, that's why Moses didn't fear the wrath of the king. If he focused on the king and all the king's power and all the king's men, he'd have been afraid. But who did he focus on? The king of kings and the lord of lords. Ooh, that'll give you some power. Five key words, and we're going to sum it up right here. Because these five key words sum up Moses' life. He refused, he chose, he regarded, he saw, and he endured. What did he endure? 
the two and a half million spiritual babies, the griping, the faithless generation, the 40 40 year delay until finally that old generation died off and a young generation took over and he passed the reins off to Joshua, crossed the Jordan River into dry, on dry land into the promised land of Canaan and they received the reward. And some of you are saying, well, I haven't received mine yet. Okay, well, God's not done yet. Don't quit. Don't give up. I talked to a beautiful young lady this past week. She uh, and I were out here in the back portico, and I says, how's it going? She said, oh, man, let me tell you, it's pretty rough right now. She shared some things. So I knew she was going through some things. And she says, but you know what? I'm not quitting. Because you know what, Bruce? I've heard you preach over and over again. Some people gave up five minutes too soon. They were about to have a breakthrough in their life, and they were that close, and they quit. I don't want that to be me. I, I don't want to get to heaven and go, oh, man, what did I quit for? I hugged her. <laughs> I said, good girl. Hang in there. Don't quit. Don't give up. When Moses was a young man, God gave him a goal to deliver a nation. It took him 80 years of his life. And one of the greatest tests of faith is, well, look on the screen here. It's how long can I wait? How long can I wait? It's a mark of maturity to endure. Paul did it. Moses did it. Jesus did it. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of what? Righteousness. And so the message this morning is, hang in there. Don't quit. Don't give up. Another mark of maturity is learning the difference between no and not yet. Although God has not answered your prayer now, yet God has not given you that completed goal, yet you hang in there. We're all going to need prayer. We're all going to need strength to make that happen. And so let's go to our Father right now. So which of these things do you need to do in your life? Do you need to be yourself? Do you need to quit trying to be somebody you're not? Maybe by dressing a certain way, acting a certain way, driving a certain kind of a car. Just be yourself. Be who God called you to be. Do you need to accept responsibility for your own decisions? Have you become bitter or are you going to become better? It's your choice. Do you need to set up a value system for your life? I would say start by clarifying what's important. And it's the eternal. It's the unseen, not the seen. Do you need to keep your eyes on your goal? The goal that God has given you. What is your promised land? See, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things if we are willing to be used by God. But it is your choice. Maybe some of you don't know Jesus Christ this morning. As your Lord and Savior, you've never put Him on in baptism. Well, today can be your day. Would you say, God, you have chosen me. Now I want to choose you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example of Moses. Let it be an encouragement to us to realize that you can do great things through ordinary people. 
when we make the right decisions. So give us the will and the power to do so. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.